Honestly, Alan, I was picturing like the ghost scene with you and him <laughs> instead of <laughs> clay. It's just mashed potatoes. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to Irenacast. I'm your host, Jeff, and with me is my co-host, Alan. On the first and third Tuesday of every month, we bring to you our perspectives on theology and culture from a post-evangelical lens. Thank you for joining us for another conversation to provoke your progressive Christian imagination. This week, we are going to talk about sincerity, who we are, how we express who we are, and how seriously we as a culture take someone's word. And for our conversation, we are going to be crafting our ideal Thanksgiving dinner. And, uh, that should be, (laughs) that should be a fun one. Um, so let, let's get into this conversation. Alan, this has kind of come from you as we've been talking about what we were going to do this week. Uh, so, so kind of frame this idea of sincerity and, and why you think it's an important thing to talk about. I want to sound the death knell for sincerity in our culture. Ooh, it's over. Strong words. <laughs> we had a good run. So what do you mean by sincerity? Sincerity being that you mean what you say, uh, you believe, your actions line up with what you believe, what you truly believe. In my opinion, sincerity is like the bedrock of a democracy. You count on people to vote for propositions and people out of the sincerity of what they believe and that they will represent um, the best about us or what's real about us. Sincerity for me is also the foundation of my faith. Um, without sincerity, things are basically reduced to game playing. And the way that society is at this present moment in time, uh, I believe sincerity is dead. I don't think it matters anymore. Uh, people, people in politics, especially from the White House, say things and what they say doesn't matter. Whether you support, for instance, the president or not, you don't believe necessarily the things he says. You know that it's a game being played. And uh, he once retweeted himself, uh, someone talking about him, that he was the greatest troll of all time. And he took it as a compliment. That's the person with the most power in our society lauding the fact that they're a troll. And, you know, the definition of being a troll is that you're not sincere, right? You're just trying to get a rise out of someone else. You're just trying to piss other people off. Um, And I don't think politics anymore is run on, like, the strength of who we are, right? Both campaigns on both sides were all about, oh, this person's the worst person that could ever be in office. It's not, this is what I sincerely believe. These are the values that I have, and let's run our campaign on this, and this is what American politics is going to be about, and the voters line up. It wasn't that. It was one based on trolling and being insincere. And I don't know if that has a top-down effect or if that is just a symptom of the root cause. Maybe sincerity died before. I don't have like a death date for it, right? There's no, I don't know what to put on the tombstone, but I know it's dead, um, personally. Okay, so this is a this is an uncharacteristically hopeless stance <laughs> coming from you, Alan. So yes, let me let me clarify some questions. <clears throat> the okay, so the the example that you're using, which is is, is a good example and a, a blatant example through Trump. So right. if bringing you to this conclusion. Would you say that there are – can you give other examples throughout your life where you also see this to be true, whether it's in your experience in the church or family relationships or personal relationships? Right. Like do you find that this is true in other places? Yeah. I mean in a lot of interpersonal work, it's mostly gameplay. Like we present we present a face to the world and and there's a lot of – like we're all familiar with be who you really are, you know, like don't just like connect keep it, with who, keep it 100, keep it real, keep it 100, keep it real, keep it genuine. <laughs> there, there's this desire for 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 being genuine. And I, I think in especially some of the younger generations, 
But when I look at interpersonal stuff, a lot of it is game playing, especially in church. I mean, the, the way, the way I grew up in evangelicalism, maybe you experienced this too, Jeff, was we're going to value where you're at right now. The sincerity of your heart come with a, what you have and be honest and let's sit with each other and do community and work through all of these things, belief, faith, doubt, um, theology, all of it in the most sincere way we can. It wasn't that it was more like, here are the prescribed things that you must hold to. And your job, the job of faith is going to be working toward feeling sincere about them. <laughs> so sincerity wasn't the starting point. It was the end point that you work toward. And so everything was game playing. It's like, let's, and what I mean by game playing is like, uh, when you play a game or like play acting, you're not sincere in what you're doing. You're engaging this other world that's outside of you, right? You're not bringing your real self to it. You're playing a role. And so for me, I felt like a lot of faith was let's, here are the ground rules. Here's how, how it goes. It doesn't necessarily matter where you're at, like in the sincerity of your heart. What matters is how well you are working toward becoming sincere in these beliefs and these ideas. And to me, that's like, that's got the cart backward, you know? Hmm. For me, sincerity should be the beginning of faith. At least, at least it's something in my life that I've come to know is that if, we if I really want to do the work of community with people, it's like, where are you at right now? What do you believe? Like, where? how are you working through this? Let's do all of that together in the sincerity of our heart, and then we can actually make real progress. So maybe sincerity was dead a long time ago. Maybe there is no such thing as sincerity, and we're all playing games, right? <laughs> and, like, it doesn't matter who you are. You're just constantly functioning. And you know what? I don't actually believe that. I do believe there is something at least like sincerity that still exists in people. It's just in our culture, it's dead. It has no meaning or value um, for the way that we work with each other and relate to each other. Except for here on Irenicast. Except we, for here. <laughs> we are the last bastion of sincerity. <laughs> oh, my God. Just in case you're, you're wondering <laughs> as you're listening. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I, yeah. And so you, you know what's funny is me personally, and I think if you ask people who know me, that's the thing that I value probably the most. Like when I preach or when I talk, I want to be honest with where I'm at. It's just the center point of, of how I feel like I move in the world. And of course, I can even trick myself and it's something that I have to constantly reflect on. But I can see a difference between what I value and the way that sometimes faith is done or public uh, talking is done um, or politics. And right now, Think about it. When Trump speaks, do you are you like, well, he really believes what he's saying? He doesn't believe what he's saying. Like, there's a John Oliver episode that I asked you to watch before this that that came out right, and it was yeah. trending, and it goes through all of the things that Trump does, the whataboutism, like, oh hey, well, what about that person? Well, what about that person? Like muddying the waters and stuff. And there was one reporter who like wouldn't let it go and was asking him what he actually thought about something, and he's like, well, you can take my words for whatever they want. You can you, you can interpret them however you want. I don't stand by anything. And it was like, <laughs> what the heck? And that that is that's who we are now, right? I don't know. Again, <laughs> uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically cynical <laughs> coming from you. Um, I mean, obviously, an ongoing joke and way that we have teased each other since the length of how we know each other <laughs> is that you are an extremely just open book <laughs> when it yes. comes to who you are, which yes. is, you know, part of your charm. And, you know, I think Endearing what, in some ways, scary you, in others, what I think <laughs> part of the dynamic with that, that has allowed the show to continue on, because I think it gives us both something to think about. But in this, mm -hmm. this particular issue, I certainly think that it's easy to feel that way right now in particular. Right. But I, 
I kind of come to the opposite conclusion when it comes to that. First of all, I've noticed that when it comes to sincerity, as far as like church leadership, I find it less common in my experience so far in mainline denominations than I did in evangelical denominations. Um, People are less sincere. Less sincere. Playing more games. Hiding behind more, you know, whether it's liturgy or hierarchy or, or tradition or whatever. tradition or whatever um, in leadership. Um, and when you were talking about our church experience, when it comes to leadership and the, you know, you, you only go so far as far as what you can express and what you can be honest about, which I mean, we've gone to in our last episode and at length in the course of this whole entire podcast, I think that that's true, but I don't think it was ever true among the people in my experience. So when it came to like the students that I worked with, or when I was working with adults that were in the church that weren't part of the leadership, but they were just part of the church. I thought that that sincerity was there in abundance all the time, right. always. And that there's, there's a sincerity there. Um, well, especially with youth, dude, you can't get away from that. Well, yeah, <laughs> they speak the hard truth all the time <laughs> for sure. But I, I mean, specifically also in their desire to like, move forward, which is right. why it, the more and more I move on, the more responsibility um, I put on, you know, any of us that choose to be any kind of voice in someone's space that, that, that means so much. And I don't think we understand how much we're framing a lot of things for people when we're in those positions, whether we're adding to the, the overall rhetoric or whether we're creating and carving a new path for people or trying to help. I can I, I can go there with you. I, I see ministers not to cut you off. There's ministers all the time that hear like, "Oh, I love that guy because he's real. I love that girl or that woman because they're real in in the way that they lead or are a minister or something." So there's still a a value for sincerity. I just like in our public space, it it's not functioning like it used to or should. It's certainly not functioning like it used to. But I would I would say that it's that that's the point. Like it's not functioning like it used to where sincerity was assumed, even though there was an underlining yeah. like denial that we knew that it wasn't there. Like it was, you know, we have this stereotype of like a politician, like, and, and I would say that this, we're seeing this, um, we're seeing this break out in, in Hollywood as, as well, when it comes to the whole hashtag me too thing, like that there's this, there's this narrative or there's this thing that people know that's just there that they're not saying anything about because of, whether how uncomfortable that's going to be or or hiding behind a false sense of sincerity. But I think now that all this stuff is breaking down, like I would say that we have more insight into the movement forward of our government now because even though the words that Trump uses are blatant lies, the way in which he does it is so transparent. Like the transparency to see through and past all the stuff that I think has been created there before is – is kind of flipping on itself where people are like, okay, we can't deny this anymore. And, and you know, there's again, a role reversal here, but my hope and that I'm still holding pretty tightly onto. And, and I would say that that hope is increasing as we move forward is that this, this is starting to crumble. And that when we get to the other end, this idea of sincerity or realness or transparency, I think is going to be an even stronger value within our culture, because it's not something that we're pretending anymore. It's something that is like, going to be there. So two things. First, 
you're you're speaking about the Me Too thing. You're actually in favor of the Me Too campaign, right? Just to clarify for listeners, one hundred percent. Yes, that's you're you're talking about the culture of secrecy that was created, exactly. Right, and th- and that crumbling. Um, secondly, like that's actually the most disturbing thing about all of this is that we publicly know that that he knows that he's lying and doesn't give a care in the world. I do believe Trump knows that other people know that he's not telling the truth. And I've worked with people that are exactly like him before. I've had deep conversations and tried to get through some change with some people that are like that. And it's like, they know that you know that they're lying, but they push forward anyway, because they know you're not going to resist it. And so it's like, that is the most disturbing thing for me. And I see ministers do it too. They'll, they'll even be preaching or something and they don't really believe what they're saying. And they may even know that you that you know that they don't believe what they're saying, but they're going through with it anyway. And all of it, reality becomes gamified because now we're no longer dealing with what we really believe and think. It's just become this big troll fest or um, muddied water completely. And that to me is extremely disturbing to see it on the, the TV. I don't think it's just something that's going to crumble. I think it's actually a disease. I think it spreads. And you could point to, like John Oliver does, you can point to all these other politicians that are now acting that way. And yeah, there's some resistance to it. You know, there's some of them are not getting elected. So there's this pushback against it. But I think it's something that we need to be more upset about and more aware of than we are right now, because that is, that's the foundation of democracy. Like, yes or no, <laughs> people being sincere and like voting sincerely is the foundation of what a democracy is. Because when that's gone, how do you even govern or like know who you are? That self-knowledge even. Even that, that's that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Uh, Self knowledge is leaving, going by the wayside. I, f- I think emotionally, like emotional intelligence, one of the pieces of emotional intelligence is knowing how you feel or knowing what you think, and like being able to stop and be like, "I'm sad right now because of this. Like this is affecting me. This is what I feel, and here's the name to the emotion I can put to it." If we don't have that as a culture, there's no way to even be sincere because you don't even know what you think or feel. You know, so knowing what we think and feel. Being able to say it and traffic in it in a sincere way in a culture that has devalued sincerity or at least is not using it is going to be – it has to be a massive shift for us as a culture and especially as like ministers because in churches, that's a shift in church culture like crazy to be like, hey, let's all really say what we think and feel <laughs> about God or our beliefs or our uh, experience of God and each other, you know? Like there's, there has to be some level of sincerity and honesty to that. And I see it now in the mainline church. It's really interesting. I see it a lot more now in the mainline church that I'm at, but I think it's a culture that's created because it's different from church to church, right? I think so. You know what? I, I, I think that it's, I, again, I think it's the opposite. I think that maybe this is just the end result of that. Because if we're going to talk about insincerity and we're going to use Trump as an example, I think we yeah. also have to lump into this, this thing. Cause I don't, I don't think. Well, first of all, I don't think any problem that we face in life or society is contingent on any one thing. So what I'm about to say, I'm not saying that the way that we use words in our culture is the number one reason for downfall. I think it's just part of a layered issue that needs to be taken care of in everything that we talk about. But this whole like backlash of words and insincerity, I think that it comes from a couple different places, right? First of all, it comes from his background, which – when we talk about the reality show genre of television, it is it is the modern day professional wrestling in the sense that it's a work. You're creating a character that has enough 
connection right. to reality to kind of create some doubt on whether you're, you know, you're not sitting there like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. You're like, I wonder if that's real. Like, when did it not become real anymore? And when did it become? So there's this desire to seek, like, where's this realness? Part of what Trump's strategy is, is related to that, right? Is like playing on that idea of what's real and what's not. And then that divides the camp, right? So the people that don't believe something is real or true, then they jump on. And then the other people that believe it's true are, you know, he's creating a heel face dynamic <laughs> right. in our society. Um, so it's, it's, it's all based on division. And then I think that also contributing to that is that this is kind of the end backlash of maybe being too, which it, this is a touchy subject that I'm about to say it. And I don't have all the answers, but I, I do think we have to enter it into the conversation if we're going to talk about this, but the, the political correctness culture, because I do think that there's some truth in shielding ourselves from certain things not to say that we should go off and because i think that the heart behind the idea of political correctness is good is we want to create a space for everyone where they feel like they're included yeah, where they feel like their identity it, matters and you've defended it at different points exactly the shows the um, but i also do think that it can be taken too far we've become a little bit too sensitive to the words that we have to where that everything feels crafted and I think that that's part of what adds to that feeling of insincerity because yeah. it may be coming from a sincere place, but it's a conflicting sincerity, right? Like, I want people to understand what I'm saying, but if I say this and this and this, then I know that they won't. And I'll try to word it like this, and then it just comes off taking away from the message. We've lost a little bit of that rawness because we're seeing it on display in a, in a horrible way, and it prevents us from moving that way. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, speaking off the cuff has its merits. And right. Trump is destroying those. <laughs> exactly. Yes, exactly. That's what you're saying. But, That's interesting. But also maybe not even destroying it, but helping us like have moderation with it. I, I, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that I'm right, that this is a pendulum swing, right? That this is, this is the end result of all the things that we've kind of brushed under the rug and haven't thought much about and that we're going to start seeing some course correction. But 10, 20 years ago, we didn't have spaces for guys like, John Oliver or Trevor Noah or Stephen Colbert. It was either news or entertainment. And now we have these people that are coming out that are speaking truth in ways to wide audiences that hasn't happened before. Well, our news is entertainment and it has been for a while, like Fox News and CNN and all them are exactly like an entertainment. But I think industry. that the, the rise of people like John Oliver and Which Trevor is Noah is, is a desire from people that, that they want sincerity. And that the fact that those voices continue to grow and that every year there seems to be another show in that vein, I think is, is encouraging. The good thing about those, the good thing about those shows is that they're setting out at the outset, we are entertainment and they approach sincere journalism. Whereas you look at some of the other mainstream news and it's like, we're serious journalists, but they're approaching entertainment. So it's the other way around. And I think it's much more honest to see entertainers be like, we're going to do some sincere journalism. It's like, well, okay, we know you're stepping out of your normal role. Whereas like watching people who claim to be journalists simply entertain us is really disturbing. Um, so yeah, that, that, that to me, um, yeah, I guess that does signal a, a good shift. And, th and there are pockets where we can point to that are really good. And that's actually part of why. I wanted to talk about sincerity is that when you find someone who has integrity and is consistent throughout like their life and their work, it's refreshing. It shouldn't be. 
It should be rare that there are people who don't have integrity. It should be rare that there are people who are disingenuous or who are not sincere in what they do. And when you say wolf in sheep's clothing or something like that, it should be one out of the herd. I feel like now we're an entire herd of people who have masks and like play act to what we do. And people who have integrity are rare to come by. And that's disturbing to me. Maybe it's always been that way. Maybe like, you know, the 1950s was some idyllic thing that was just like never existed. And it's just in our mind or whatever. I have no access to the past like that. I can't point to any trends about sincerity. But I do know what I feel right now in this present moment. And that is that everyone assumes that everyone else is selfish at the core of who they are and what they do is benefiting them in some way and that they're not living up to some um, altruistic vision or out of the sincerity of their own heart and speaking what they, what they believe. And so we go to people like Donald Trump who are just awful human beings and they are on the outside. And so we're like, well, that's the closest thing to sincerity. I know because everyone else is, you know, hiding their selfishness. And that to me is like, that's a disturbing vision of humanity that we're now operating on, on a daily basis. Yeah, but see that I I disagree with that. I don't I think that that's certainly what the mainstream is operating on. The mainstream people are power, public, our but, public space. But I think that the public space is these main institutions that have been so long that it's hard not to feel like the country's falling apart, but I think it, it's more of like, wow, these no longer represent the country. And even though they're still the loudest voices, I think that more and more it's being exposed for this isn't how it goes. And just like with anyone whose power is threatened, they lash out and they speak louder, which is hard to deny. So I feel like we're actually we're on the other end of it, that that we're starting to see a crumbling of these mainstream structures, whether it's media or politics or whatever, that aren't working anymore. I mean, the fact that we had a... Again, I'm, I'm holding on to these hopes, but the fact that we had a transgender person beat out the person for office who instituted the bathroom bill in a red state is like, okay, maybe these mainstream voices that, that are our only link sometimes to what's happening in the world, or at least they certainly contribute to the majority of how we feel about what's happening in the rest of the world, that maybe they're just trying to hold desperately on and that they're almost at the end of their time. Like even if you look at the trend of media, right? There's no more big networks. There's no more like one dominating show. I was reading an article on a film site talking about like, uh, <laughs> it's talking about like, like tele television anxiety or peak television anxiety, because there's all these things that are out there, different voices and people like, Oh, I want to watch this, but I also want to watch this. And I don't know if I should start this show because the content is so good and so varied. And I think that that's a reflection of what's happening in our country is that there's no longer one voice. There's no longer one institution. And those one institutions are feeling threatened because they see that their power is slipping. The, the person who won Danica that you mentioned. Yes. Uh, in specific, she, uh, oh, she ran on the idea that we should be sincerely who we are and what, and what, and what we feel and what we believe. And it's so refreshing in the way that she, um, even talks about the race and stuff. And, and yeah, is... refused to trash her opponent because she said, now that I've won, my opponent is my constituent and I'm not going to disrespect a constituent. Yeah. And the reason I even want to talk about this is I think we can, we can defend sincerity and integrity and we can make it the norm again. But I also would just want to lament a little bit that that's refreshing. You know, <laughs> that should be the norm. And it's so it's so important for us in as we're taking up more seats in, in government or we're um, even just growing up and being a bigger part of our families to make this like an important thing to stop playing all the games and be like, sorry, I'm not going to do that. 
I'm not going to traffic in all this game playing. Like I'm going to be a sincere person. That's a spiritual practice in and of itself is to be like to create spaces for honesty is is massive, especially for this next phase of doing faith, doing Christian faith. I mean, think about all of the upheaval we've gone over in the last 20 years. Um, Sincerity is a big part of that. You know, that's got to be a virtue for us. That is something that we start with, not end off with, but begin with. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think we can begin with it because you can you can sincerely be an asshole. (laughs) If we if because if we're going to open up the floodgates with like sincerity being the primary value. I think that we also then have to create a space for people who are sincere about beliefs that we don't agree with or that even are abhorrent to us. Right. So right. how do we maneuver through that? Because I deal with that all the time. Is how sorry, you... the asshole thing. There yeah. People are more assholes if they're trolling. Like if people who are just trying to piss other people off, that's what makes you an asshole. If you are someone who like is honestly racist and you're going to own that, you're less of an asshole to me. You're someone who is like – who has a long way to freaking go and maybe you're completely wrong, but at least you're being honest with what you're saying. And it depends on how you say it. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, you can show up to the table and have awful beliefs, but being an asshole is like just trying to get a rise out of people and being totally uh, hypocritical in what you're saying. And like when someone tries to press you and have an honest debate on something, you back off because you don't actually believe that stuff. You're just trying to play the game. But I think that that's also, I I, I do know what you mean, but I also think that that's false to assume that some of the people out there that are expressing these hateful views are, are just trolling. Like there, there are people who have it. Yeah. There are people who are sincerely like that. So I think it, it, it starts with someplace else. And I think that, that, I think that sincerity is a, is a good value if we make it all inclusive because someone who has really like is sincerely misguided when it comes to their view on race or sexuality or gender. Okay. Let me frame it a different if way. They're not gonna, if they're not going to be given a place to be transparent and sincere, right? how exactly. are they going to even begin to change? Right. And then if we, if we don't create a space for that conversation to happen, even when it's horrible and uncomfortable, then right. how, how do they not eventually turn into a troll? Right. Did you see the latest South Park episode? It was brilliant. Uh, Donald, so the, one of the characters, I don't know why I'm talking about this on our podcast, but it's ours, so I guess I can. There's a metaphor between this awful character, Cartman, who's like an abusive person, right? In every instance. And he's going out with this girl and he's just being abusive toward her, like emotionally and just awful. And so she like finally gets away from him. And everybody makes fun of her for having gone with him in the first place. And so she just hears constantly. Everyone's laughing at her. I can't believe you were with him. I can't believe all this stuff. And they use it as a metaphor for people who voted for Trump and now feel bad about it. They don't have a place to like process now that they're no longer supporting Trump. Who are they in society? And it's like nobody's going to make room for them, you know, to like admit that maybe they were wrong or try to like reframe things or talk about what they actually believe or think as being an important thing. So I hear that. And when I say sincerity is the the starting point, I don't mean we set a table and be like, let's bring all the ideas, all the, the Nazism, all the like awful like stuff, and let's just put it all on, on an even playing field. That's not necessarily what I'm saying. What I'm saying is whatever table we're setting, we should expect sincerity. And if you're not sincere, don't come to the friggin' table. If you're not sincere, don't run for the office. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're just playing the game and everybody knows it, you're not allowed. <laughs> like we don't, we don't, right. we, we don't have time. God, our planet doesn't have time for people who are insincere anymore, you know, and and none of us do either. And and how I read what's happening in our culture is that I see a severe backlash to that, yeah. that we're moving in the right direction. 
But we'll see. I mean, come <laughs> come 2018, <laughs> if we haven't seen a major turnover in Congress and the Senate, then I will be on board and we'll have uh, right. our last episode because I'm just going to get down in a bunker somewhere and <laughs> give up on life. I do want to say one thing. The reason this is so out of character for me is usually I am filled with grace for people. And I always love seeing the, the other side of things. I, sh- I One of my like growth areas for me as a person and as a minister is to not put up with the game playing is to say no sometimes and to put a stop to stuff. And I, after like reading the gospels saying no to hypocrites is a Christian virtue. It is what Jesus did. Jesus called out people who were being hypocritical and using public space and using laws and using all kinds of stuff to do that. And, uh, and hypocrite, right? The word comes from play actors, people who are play acting at what they're doing. That's what the Greek word even comes from. And so saying no to those people to the hypocrites, right? And those are people who are just playing the game and not being sincere is what Jesus did. And as followers, that's what resistance is, is resisting the people who are being disingenuous. And Jesus called it yeast, right? A little bit of yeast leavens the whole loaf. You you put a little bit in when you cook the bread, the whole thing rises. And it's the same thing with what Trump is doing right now um, and what some ministers do and what we find ourselves doing sometimes. It's corrosive. Because other people are affected by it. They, they see how you get ahead with it, how it benefits people. And it's just like, it's, it stilts everything. And so we need just a massive, uh, resistance of people who say on all sides toward if it's going to be Clinton or Trump or whoever, if someone is being disingenuous, we say no. And whatever the consequences are, we're not going to let them play their games with us, with our country, with our families. Maybe you have an uncle who's like that, right? And he's the one who's the most hypocritical out of all whatever. You say no to him you in the middle of a Thanksgiving meal. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. But like, no, like we're not going to put up with that anymore. And you could do it in a grace-filled way. But I want to know what it's like to be not just a, a person of sincerity, which is something that I want, but a person who expects it from other people if we're going to have conversations or do life together. And and I think it becomes more imperative in our interactions with people in power. Right. Uh, in Absolutely. particular, people that are above us, right? Because I think that that's part of the problem is that how many times have we shut ourselves down because we were concerned about our job or our status or, and not to say that those aren't, I mean, those are strong motivators. Otherwise we wouldn't have had all this silence in certain industries for years and years and years about who's done what and who's abused their power and all that kind of stuff. That's a powerful motivator. But I think that that's even more of a call for people that are in any kind of place of power or have a voice to be consistent in that and know that it's going to, it's going to cost in, in a real way. And fortunately there's more and more ways and avenues in which we can, you know, be an encouraging voice that, that allow us to, to kind of step outside of those power structures. Like, I mean, I mean, look at this podcast. Like where else can you gather an audience that's not dependent upon a network or a company or anything like right. that, where you can just go out there and do that. So I think that there are more and more avenues for that, but we also need to be careful about allowing ourselves to just give up to the systems that are in front of us. Absolutely. Yeah. People that want to go with the way that things are, I don't, again, don't have time for that. <laughs> yeah. Cause for you're the, for the status quo. Your yeah, your your paycheck and your position is not worth adding into that. And that's not to say that you saying you saying something is gonna break down a complete structure and right. you know, it there's gonna be a personal cost, but I think it's each person deciding that as we go along and recognizing and that's easier said than done. 
that that touches on the last thing that I really want to kind of share where I'm at and what I found is that like the relationships that you have in your family and in your church are not worth hiding who you are. And uh, let's set aside being a jerk, right? Let's set aside like that's who you really are is just a jerk. You don't have to be a jerk to anyone. But hiding your identity and who you are and what you really believe just so you fit into your family and just so you fit into your church, that never allows anyone to get to know who you are, whether it's your family or your church. And uh, slowly over time, that decreases your ability to even know yourself. And I think that um, being honest with who you are, if people reject you, they never had a relationship with you in the first place because they're having a relationship with something that you've constructed to like ease things over. And I, for one, if you're in my family and you're listening to this or you're in my church listening to this, I want to know you for know you for who you are personally. I don't necessarily want to play the games. And uh, it's not worth being with people who are only interested in the games, but being with people who are who really care about you for who you are. So um, it's a struggle for us to be honest. And I think we all need to do it beginning with us before we expect it from other people. Absolutely. And I think that that rings true, especially for us as hosts of this podcast. I mean, this podcast was birthed out of both of us. It was. Being in situations where we found ourselves more and more disingenuous to who we were to stay where we were. And it takes its toll. You talked about, did you talk about this in the last episode or just privately? You said you look at like statuses from 10 years ago and you're like, man, like some of them are worded in such a way that like you're still trying to fit in or you're still trying to like ease stuff over like in your previous context. I can't remember if we mentioned that on air or private, off air. I think it was a private conversation because I felt the same way too. That's right. Because last, last, our last episode, we talked about like things that don't age well. And we were, oh, that's, we were talking offline about how my Facebook statuses do not age well. That's what we should have talked about. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Thank God there was no Facebook when I was in junior high, dude, <laughs> or high school. I know. But, uh, Oh, my gosh. Some of the stuff I posted, you know, 10 years ago, because I was on Facebook. Did you know that it notified me? And it was like, congratulations, 12 years on Facebook, because I got on in 2005, November 2005. So, like, November 1st. And That's so right, because you were, were like, still in college, right? Because yeah, you were only college students at first. had to be a .edu address. And so I looked at some old – I have comments that are, like, 11 years old or 10 years old. And then I have statuses that are even older. And I look at some of them, and I'm like, ooh, that does not age well. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, talking about this insincerity thing, like I was in an evangelical church and I'm throwing out these vague, like emo statuses to try to like express something that's going on inside that I know that if I expressed explicitly would lead right. to a lot of difficult things. And I read those and I was like, oh man, that's just sad. I, yeah. I would have unfriended me. <laughs> and you know what? I have to say, you know, let's just make it real. This is not just in word, word, but also deed. I've done it. I've done the being honest thing and lost jobs, lost job prospects, was fired from a school, could no longer work at churches that would hire a full-time youth pastor, could no longer work at churches that would hire a full-time minister. I made that change because I was being honest with what I believed and what I knew to be true and and what I expected from other people. And I lost stuff because of that, like some serious years of full-time employment because of that. And uh, as someone who's been through the process, it's friggin' worth it. To have yourself <laughs> and to be able to be yourself honestly with other people, God, I'd give it, I'd do it all over again, you know, a right. hundred times. It's Absolutely. so worth it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's it, at this point in my life, because I've also gone through the same thing, it is something yep. that I'm not willing to ever 
sacrifice again, which at times is to my detriment. You know, when, especially when it comes to career and job and working in the church, it, it leaves me at a place where I have to, you know, give up some potential opportunities to have to say, no, I'm not going to be that anymore. Like I can't, if I'm not a hundred percent on board, I can't absolutely be on board. And when I and say that, you can't, and what you mean by on board is you mean be a hundred percent honest with where you're at. Right. Right. Because exactly. you can be on board with the place that not everybody agrees, but you just, just being who you are. Yeah. And what you believe. Absolutely. And I think that it it is important. It's important for the soul. And I think that looking at the society around us, I think that we're headed more and more in that direction and that there, I, I firmly believe everything has a double-edged sword to it. There's a good and there's a bad aspect of everything. And I think that the side that you embrace is reflective of the work and the constant work that you do on yourself. Not just like, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't, don't want to break this down as like a moral thing, not just like being a good person or a bad person, but the real work that you do on yourself to be a person that has peace with with where they are in the world and peace with the people that you are involved with around you and it takes it takes work and i think that the more that we learn and the more we move forward in the society the more we realize that there are va- there's value in having people in our lives that we don't agree with there's a value in having regular conversations with people that aren't on the same page with us but when we have the main voice of our culture demonizing anyone that disagrees with it it does have an effect and i think that we need to have practices of connection with one another, people we agree and disagree with. We need to expand the things that we read and interact with. I know we're kind of getting a little bit into our territory from our last uh, conversation, but I do believe that these are things that are reflective of who we are, especially when we're talking about sincerity. We do the work. We put it in. So you think maybe it's not time for a funeral for sincerity, that there's going to be a little bit of a comeback I do that the, that that the monitor is beeping like the heart monitor and uh, <laughs> the beats per minute are going to go up a little bit. <laughs> right. Gonna, I think if we want to if we want to have a reverse argument about whether we think something needs a funeral, we can talk about the church in our next episode. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> need some resurrection. Or at least the institutional need. church or whatever. But that's again, <laughs> that's another show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so let us know what you think. Uh well, Alan, before we close out, any any is, final any other final thoughts? I just want to know what people think is sincerity dead <laughs> for you, your family or your life, church, country, politics, whatever, our world. Yeah, let us know what you think. Add your voice to this particular conversation. You can comment at the show notes at irenacast.com slash 106. Also in the show notes, you'll find relevant links and a complete list of all the other ways you can like, follow, and contact the show or contact Alan and I individually. That's irenacast.com slash one oh six. On the other side of the music, we are going to expertly craft our perfect Thanksgiving dinner. So this is a common thing, right? You have this game called Dinner Party. Three people that you would have dinner with, all that kind of stuff. So we're going to we're going to take that basic premise and we're going to extend it into Thanksgiving. And usually Thanksgiving is centered around, well, at least stereotypically, it's centered around, oh no, I have to go to my family's house and, you know, deal with my creepy or awkward uncle or whatever, all the stereotypes that come with family. And we're hoping that most of the, most of you that listen aren't, you know, subject to those stereotypes. Wear matching sweaters. That's right. <laughs> or whatever whatever your deal is. We hope that the holidays is a, is a pleasant one. But if it's not a pleasant one, then delve into the world of imagination with us and craft your perfect 
Thanksgiving dinner. So what we're going to do is we're going to name our top five guests, why we want them there, and what we think they would bring as a as a dish, as a compliment to the overall meal. So we're 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 just, we're just gonna we're just gonna go for it. Alan, do you have your do you have your five people picked out? So yeah, these are people that are alive. That's what we because we've done this before, right? With anyone from history. Did someone say they wanted to see Abraham Lincoln fight someone at one point, or is that from a movie? You know what? We don't have any original thoughts anymore, right? That's what Kurt Vonnegut said. We're all just quoting movies over and over. So, uh, Except for Irenicast, which is <laughs> a bastion of originality in the midst of no original <laughs> ideas. Just want to clarify I'm gonna that. Say, <laughs> you should totally cut this out later, but I'm going to say a poop joke. This is, you know, this is not normal for me. This is an unnormal uh, episode. This will not be um, cut out. <laughs> I was walking with a friend, uh, and he was, uh, oh, what did he say? He said, "What was it that Kurt Vonnegut said? Life is just farting around." And then he farted, and I, and or like another friend did, and I was like. That is one of the most epic things I've ever seen in my entire life. And he didn't do it on purpose because he's the one who quoted it. And then someone else farted. I was like, I think I'm going to start doing that from now on. I'm just going to quote that if just, I need to. Oh, I thought you meant you were going to have one on cue in case someone says the word fart. <laughs> <laughs> no, that is, I just thought – anyway, it was really funny. My first one, J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter and the most epic Twitter user of all time who has said some amazing stuff. Just extremely intelligent. I'd love to have her there with her little British accent. Shouldn't say little. That's demeaning. With her British accent. <laughs> and uh, I feel like she'd bring a shepherd's pie. You know, a little pot pie or something. And then I'd have a person named Ethan Klein. I, I know you know who this is because I've talked about him before. But there's a YouTuber couple, the Kleins, Ethan and Hila, who are under H3H3. That's their like channel or whatever. They're this Jewish couple that is really hilarious. And I think Ethan would bring soda pop, some soda to the meal. I think he's hilarious. It'd just be fun to see how he interacts with people. Um, cause he's refreshingly normal. <laughs> you know, how you see like some people who are celebrities and you're like, wow, that's a normal person that like would have hung out with me with one of my friends growing up kind of thing. Okay. The other person would be. <laughs> you're gonna like this jolo truglio from brooklyn 99 like the yeah i know <laughs> the shorter guy yeah. and he's in like he's in all kinds of movies pineapple express like a bunch of other things my but, my um, wife and i call him awesome because of his role in yes. uh the um that's where i first saw him his role in uh why am i blanking on the uh, i love you man where he's i love like, you man <laughs> he's yeah, trying so to buy the best man. yeah i love that like really high-pitched voice awesome awesome um He's hilarious, and I see so much of myself in him. I would just love for him to come to the dinner party. And I think he'd bring <laughs> one of those really small turkeys, you know, like it's like little tiny Wait, small so, turkeys. So just like to clarify, little... are you bringing him or are you bringing the character he plays? If he brings, if it's a character he plays in Brooklyn Nine Nine, it would be like that. Would be perfect. Would be bringing something amazing because this, this is this is our really game. Well. So if you want to do the character, you can do the character instead of. I'll the bring person. that character. Okay, I'll bring that good. character, and I think he's gonna bring one of those little tiny hens, like really well cooked or something, like really well done. Even though I'm a vegetarian, I'll still take a bite because it's Jolo Truglio. Uh, and then Dennis Haysbert. Did you know that's the name of the dude from Allstate? He was the president on Twenty Four. Oh yeah, I know um, the one you have a man crush. I on. think yeah, I have a man crush on him. I think he would bring mashed potatoes because you know in, on Allstate he always says you're in good hands. I could like see his hands mashing potatoes for some reason. That's actually really weird. I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. Um, 
I love that guy. Everyone loves the president on 24, dude. Honestly, Alan, Everyone. I was picturing like the ghost scene with you and him <laughs> instead of Clay. <laughs> it's just mashed potatoes. <laughs> uh, dude, I just talked about that movie last night with other ministers. We met together for our like little community. We Once a month, we'll get together and like drink wine and stuff. And this person was like, I haven't seen Ghost. I was like, you haven't seen Ghost? <laughs> and I started like mimic, mimicking the like the scene with the – it was inappropriate. Um, <laughs> and then the last person would be Serge from uh, System of a Down. You know, the – Interesting. The yeah. Singer. Uh-huh. Super intelligent dude. I've seen a few things that he wrote like after 9-11 and a couple other things. He wrote these like long pieces that are just uh, really like biting into um, American imperialism. But just so intelligent, and I think he's really cool. I love his. I hope he wears his top hat when he comes, and I think he'll bring like some cool pastries or something that he's that he's baked. And uh, I'd love to hear what he thinks. And seeing all those people interact would be hilarious. <laughs> I want to know what each of them are thankful for. All right. Well, my list. I'm just gonna get the obvious out of the way. Alton Brown's gonna be there. Of he's course. gonna be there at every dinner thing, hypothetical dinner thing that I ever have. And he's going to bring the deep fried turkey. If you haven't seen his deep fried turkey specialized rig that he's created with a A-frame ladder on how to fry a turkey, I will put That's it so in the well. show notes. You should check it out. But Alton Brown's going to be there. I, I want to talk to him. I want to have long conversations about a food. I mean, if you don't have someone for cool me dude. that represents food at a Thanksgiving dinner, if you're building it, I just I just don't understand right. why. I guess my character represented it from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But yes. Alton Brown, Alton Brown's a good dude. I'd love to hang out with that guy. He comes across as being a, a cool guy. He has a, he has a certain way about him that I think would be entertaining. <laughs> um, my next person on the list would be Edgar Wright. I would love just to hear his brilliantness about film and movies. And uh, I love everything that he's ever done. Um, but I mean, just, I just would love to hear his influences. Cause he recently came out with this long list of his like top 500 favorite movies. And he just, the, the range of what he chose to put on that list is, is enough to have like millions of conversations with him. So I'll put him in the list and I believe he would bring some Yorkshire pudding, you know, not to be too stereotypical about <laughs> someone from, from the, the aisles, but I think that that's Yorkshire pudding. That's right. So I, I, when I look at like the flow of a Thanksgiving dinner, I have to I have like the arc of it is you gather together. There's like pleasantries and there's some things that are fun, which is why I think Alton Brown would be a good like he seems to have kind of that host mentality because he hosts a lot of shows on yes. Food Network. And, you know, you inevitably talk about movies or whatever. So there's this joyous thing. And then like as a dinner wind down, winds down, the conversation gets kind of a little bit deeper and you can kind of explore some things, which is why I'd want to introduce to the party Pat Oswald. Which I think um, the way he articulates things, I've always liked. We have a lot in common when it comes to nerd culture and stuff like that. But the the profound loss that he suffered the last year with his wife dying, I think that that would be and how honest and brutal he's been. If you have not, if you have Netflix and you have not gone on and watched his stand up special Annihilation, where he just bears his soul about losing his wife. Um, you are missing out. Like you will be crying and laughing like in the same breath. You know, when we're talking about sincerity and all that kind of stuff. There's just this way about him. And I think he would just be a great person to talk with and to have to create an atmosphere of, of connection with a group of people. I'm getting like too deep here. He's, no, he's good. <laughs> Someone that intelligent and funny and also raw is awesome. 
Right. It would I be love great. Patton Oswalt. Yeah, he's cool. So the next person on my list, I don't know if anyone maybe listening has heard of, but her name's Gail Simone. And she is uh, a comic book writer, one of the few female comic book writers. And she wrote for DC, Birds of Prey, Batgirl. She's in, even written for some Simpsons comic books and also is a writer or contributor to a lot of the Treehouse of Horrors that they do for the Simpsons. Um, and I just so think you were serious be- about nerd culture? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's going to be an underlying thing throughout this whole thing. Uh, again, because this is reflecting me. This is my ideal. These are the things I'd want to talk about. And all of, all of my guests on some level share my affinity for some brand of nerd culture, whether it's film that's or cool. comics or anything. Um, but I think it would just be fascinating to talk to someone, to talk to a female in particular, and how they've maneuvered through this very like right. traditionally masculine world and how she's subverted those things and, and you know I, I just think she would be a really interesting person to talk to and i think that she's created some wonderful uh storylines in some of her her runs on comics so and my final person is donald glover i want to know everything about community but out of all the people <laughs> that have been on that show i wouldn't want dan Harmon because he'd be drunk five minutes into it and i probably wouldn't get a straight answer out of him uh <laughs> probably not and he he to me like when you that term renaissance man like someone that just has this just breadth of knowledge and experience and talent mm-hmm. across a wide array of things i think donald glover i think he's the most talented brilliant person that we have in entertainment today um from so many standpoints writer director musician he sings right he sings. Like, I was on the treadmill and I heard Child Gambino or what is it called? Childish Gambino. Yeah. Childish Gambino. And so I, I'm running, listening to Pandora. So it's random people I've never heard before. And like halfway through the song, I was like, this is one of the most intelligent raps I've ever heard in my life. Some of the stuff that's being referenced, I had to look at my phone and it's all Donald Glover. No way. It's yeah. Totally surprised me. It's great. He's wonderful. I, I, I thought I loved his show Atlanta from this last year. It was one of my favorite um, seasons of TV that I've ever seen. Uh, even though I didn't understand most of it, uh, I just I think I think he's brilliant. I think he'd be a great person to have to add again to add to that balance of like levity and depth that you would want in a wonderful Thanksgiving dinner. And uh, oh, I forgot to mention what they would all bring. I think Pat Oswald seems like a busy guy, so he'll probably just like stop at the grocery store and get whatever is like <laughs> deviled r- eggs right there. Or something. <laughs> uh, Gail Simone, I think just because of her connection to. The Simpsons. I would hope that she would bring a six pack of Duff beer. Nice, right? Very nice. Something, something yeah. classy. Something to class up the joint. <laughs> and then uh, Donald Glover from Atlanta. I just some like wonderfully. Although Alton Brown's also from Atlanta as well, and they both really, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Alton Brown, like a lot of his cooking, Southern, you know, that good, yeah. Greasy, delicious, wonderfulness. Deep fried turkeys. Right. <laughs> right. So Alton's already doing the deep fried turkey. So something like um, some kind of like bread or <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to think like something some that like bread. something that's really like good southern food. Uh, mac and cheese. Right. Like so some kind of like good Breaded pasta dish. Mac that's and right. Cheese. That's right. That's what I'm that's what I'm saying right there. Very cool. I I would go. You would go. You would be invited. If I was invited, I would absolutely show up for that. Would you come to mine, Jeff? <laughs> I would come to yours. I would be excited I, just to listen to J.K. Rowling talk because she's hilarious, dude. I'd be fascinated to see 
that. I'm also thinking in terms of like my family, like watching like how my girls would interact with <laughs> with some of them, and yeah, and they would probably take up Gail Simone's time most of the time because one of my daughters is obsessed because of my doing, honestly, but with Supergirl. So we've started watching some of the superhero shows and stuff, and she loves the Supergirl show, especially when she teamed up with the Flash in season one. <laughs> you haven't watched it. It's on Netflix. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but she's, and she's, she, I, we also watched the Avengers for the first time and they love the Hulk. They can't wow. stop talking about the Hulk and Supergirl. Really? Yeah. That's cool. So it's fun. All right. Well, if you want to, you can let us know what your ideal Thanksgiving dinner would look like. Mm-hmm. And you can do that again at the show notes at irenacast.com slash 106 or any other place that you can do that. Uh, if you enjoy what you hear and you want to support Irenacast, you can go to irenacast.com slash support for a late, uh, for a list of ways in which to do that, including leaving a review or rating on your favorite listening platform or going to irenicast.com slash Amazon and just shopping as usual. And we will receive a small portion of your purchase there with no extra cost to you. Uh, those are all a couple ways that you can support the show as we go on. Uh, Alan, how can people find you and your work? I sometimes blog at anirenicon.com. You can find me on Facebook. I usually... Facebook's usually where I do most of my work statuses and stuff. And I have a public profile, so feel free to follow me. If I don't friend you back, you'll at least see what I post and stuff, and you can comment. This week, I'm going to a Trans Day Remembrance um, for victims of uh, who are trans, and uh, that'll be at a church in Loomis. And uh, let's see, what else am I doing? I think that's it. Just find me on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, it's already happened, by the way. I said that like two episodes ago or one episode ago, and people started finding me on Facebook. Now I'm connected to some of our listeners. It's pretty cool. Very nice. Um, you can find me on Facebook. I have a private page. Uh, if you friend me there, I probably won't accept your friend. <laughs> I've, I've kept it pretty private, but I do have a public page on Facebook that's at Jeff Minildi. It's the same mm. handle across the board on all my social media. I'm most active on Instagram. And as usual, you can find me on the second and fourth Thursday of every month, and you can subscribe to Divine Cinema. That's divinecinema.net. And there, myself and my co-hosts, Adam and Dylan, we take apart movies of faith. And the most recent one that we've done is Calvary, which one of my favorite movies of all time. I encourage you to check that out. That's divinecinema.net. And that's a spinoff from this show for those of you that have been listening for a while. And uh, yeah, those are the things that I have going on right now. So... Um, yeah, so that will, that'll be it for us this week. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone who celebrates. Hope that your family time is well and wonderful or we are whatever. thankful for you. That's right. We, <laughs> we really are. Our like listeners. We've, we've seen since we've come back, we weren't sure exactly like our long hiatus, mm-hmm. like how we were going to re-engage with our audience, but we have seen our biggest amount of, of downloads for the show in the last two months since we've come back. In fact, last month we shattered the, the best month that we had before that by like a thousand downloads and we're getting more and more interactions from people. So of course, yeah, so thankful good conversations. Yeah. So thankful for all of you out there that are, that are, that are listening, that are brand new or that have been here from the beginning. So uh, again, we're thankful for that. And we hope that you have many things in your life that you are thankful for. So for this week, I'm Jeff. I'm Alan. Thanks for joining the conversation. Awesome, awesome.